The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime, Nate Green. Nate, how you doing? I'm not doing too bad, Jared. How about you? Not doing too bad myself. I'm excited to talk some baseball. I actually have an actual you know, script today. I, I went into decent detail. We have something to talk about, should I say. Like, I actually have good things, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll yeah. We'll see where it goes. We honestly, if you guys are just listening, to this, you you guys know that we kind of go off the uh, seat of our pants. So we we just kind of go with the flow and see how it goes. So, Nate, let's start this podcast off like always with a question, kind of an interesting question. I don't know what brought me upon it, but hockey, the NHL, takes off two weeks or so for the Olympics so that their players can play in it. Would you like to see baseball do that? No. Um, they do the World Baseball Classic. I think that's that's enough. Um, I would love to see the World Baseball Classic happen every two years instead of every four years. You know, it's been a while because of COVID and all that. But um, yeah, I think that's the big difference between baseball and other sports is they have their own Olympic type of thing with the World Baseball Classic, and I think that's um, more important to the players. I, I know the Olympics are probably important, but honestly, I don't think many of these guys grew up saying, I want to play in the Olympics. They all grew up saying, I want to play in the major leagues. So for me, I, I would rather them just play the World Baseball Classic a couple more times instead of every four years, move it to every two years. Yeah, I, we've both been a winner, or winner. We've both been to uh, World Baseball Classic games, and, and those are a lot of fun. It's a different atmosphere. It really is. No matter how many fans are there, like I've been to a game that's, 20,000 at Petco and I went to a USA game which was 45,000 it was the same atmosphere it was it was it was impressive and I I really liked it so I I don't know I just I thought it might be interesting like in every four years instead of having an all-star game just send them off to the send them off to the Olympics let them go try to win a gold medal like I think that'd be a lot of fun you know uh, the Japanese I think did it last year and and I think Korea did it as well with their teams and, and we saw them thrive then again, we saw USA do pretty well too, managed by Mike Sosha, by the way. So 
I don't know. I, I figured it was an interesting question. I, I like that you got to the point and didn't really give us a conversation to talk about, but you know, it, it works. It's, it's interesting though. I, I'd, I'd like to see, it'd be cool to see Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and all the big names, Juan Soto play for his respected country in, in, in an Olympic, you know, just, I, I think it would be kind of cool. I think that it's just one more thing that Mike Trout can add to his, you know, his resume, like an Olympic gold medal would be really cool. And I think at some point it would be cool to see the best players from every nation just go at it because I know that I think it's more of an incentive than the world baseball classic, because I think a lot of, a lot of players don't want to go get hurt and and such like that. And I think that's kind of it with, with the world, with the Olympics as well. But I don't know. I, I I think it'd be really cool. And I think it'd be almost more of an incentive for players over the world baseball classic. So I just love the atmosphere as well. I know I mentioned that, but I, I think the atmosphere of those games would be, absolutely unbelievable so guys thanks so much for listening to this podcast here at talking halos and and giving us all the great content all the questions you ask us fantastic really do appreciate it and, and making us the best angels podcast out there I truly do believe it if you could leave us a review whether it's good or bad i know we got an interesting review on this on this last one but you know it's uh it, it works you know it makes us better with interesting reviews like that so thanks for the review i don't remember who it was from but shout out for that one really do appreciate it we'll make it better for you i promise so, and guys, if you uh, want to join us for talking, talking fans, you can go send us a message on Twitter at talking halos or, you know, from myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tim's or at Nate green at Nate green 34. So Nate on to some angels baseball news. Rule five draft is right around the corner and the angels selected Elvis Pagaro. They, uh, they left Mike Stefanik, Orlando Martinez and Deshaun Knowles just bigger notable players that they left off the Rule 5, uh, that they didn't protect, should I say, from from the Rule 5 draft. Anybody surprising you? Um, Deshaun knows a little bit. Um, like you talked to me about, we talk about all the time, we actually talk about him a lot because I know that's one of your favorite prospects. Um, he's, a, he's a fourth outfielder, but he is major league ready and, you know, with the depth we have in the outfield, like we have a lot of young guys, so all it takes is one injury to Justin Upton or um, Joe Adele or Brandon Marsh or Mike Trout, and it's like, okay, we're we're back to using guys that don't traditionally play in the outfield to play the outfield. So, little little curious to me, but um, other than that, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and I think you mean uh, Orlando Martinez, who was in Double yeah, A. Yes. Yeah, Deshaun Knowles. I understand why Deshaun Knowles didn't get. Didn't he's get, younger. Right? Yeah, he's in he's in low A. Yeah, he's in low A. It makes sense. Yep. Uh, and the stats weren't the best. There's a lot of upside. If you've seen him, you know, like he's one of the highest upside players in the Angels system. He could be an absolute stud. You know, it just depends on how he develops and how the Angels develop him uh, when it's all said and done. But yeah, Orlando Martinez, I, I really like him. I saw him a lot when he was with the 66ers. Just super impressive. Does everything really well. And, and he was definitely a guy. I know that he was in Double A, but he was a guy that kind of surprised me that he was not, you know, brought up or, or protected from the Rule Five draft so I don't know if he's going to get selected either because if you look at his stats they're iffy but if you've got a lot of scattering reports on him you understand that he does everything well he can play all three outfield positions if you need him to has a pretty nice swing from the left side of the plate isn't slow by any means isn't super fast by any means either I think I had um you know pretty pretty quick like a four six I think is what it was down to first base so I mean it's it's all there everything everything he does is good like I said he plays good defense he has a really good arm I saw him uh, show off the arm 
in low A as well, and it's it's really good, and I can only imagine it's gotten a little bit better. So I just think he's you know going to be a pretty solid fourth outfielder at some point. And being that he was in double A, I could see him going unselected, but at the same time, I could definitely see him being selected as well. So Nate, I don't know if you've gone through and seen any of the protected, unprotected guys, but I mean, I kind of just went through and compiled a little list that I think could be selected uh, in, in this next Rule 5 draft, whenever that's going to be. And um, one of the notables that I kind of want to mention comes from Atlanta because he's a 5'10 pitcher um, that's in the upper 90s with a good slider. Uh, just struggles with command a little bit at times too, and I know that's not a big thing um, that we like. You know, we'd like to see big command guys, but you got to like the fastball. You got to like the slider. His name's Daisbel Hernandez. Made it all the way up to AAA last year as well. So somebody probably to keep an eye on just because of the Perry connection. I don't know if there's anything really there, but it makes a lot of sense. Another guy, Jameson Hanna from Colorado, didn't get uh, selected or didn't get protected either. He could be interesting. I think he made it up to AA. He's a guy that's bounced around to a whole bunch of different teams. Jose Alberto Rivera wasn't protected either. Uh, Angels selected him last year. We saw him in spring training. He's the Astros, I think, number 29 prospect, according to, to Pipeline. Austin Cox is a, right, a left-handed pitcher from Kansas City. It made it up to AAA. Um, it, kind of an interesting guy there as well. Four-pitch mix. Throw strikes. I, I don't know if anybody really picks him or not. I think the Angels have a lot of these guys. It is what it is. Cal Mitchell's another guy, outfielder for Pittsburgh. Another guy who made it up AAA that I uh, am fairly impressed with. The bat is interesting. Good defender, quick, all that fun stuff. And then one name that I really wouldn't have thought of, but I saw mentioned by Taylor Blake Ward is Ricardo Genovis, uh, catcher from San Francisco. I, I would assume he goes in the top 10. I, I could totally be wrong. I don't understand the rule five sometimes. <laughs> Guys that I think are going to get selected never get selected, but then again, I guess you, you never know, right? Yeah, no, it's completely dependent on what these GMs are looking for, what they think they can and can't get in free agency, and just kind of depending on where where their team's at as well. Like, uh, Jameson Hanna is the one that like really st- stood out to me. He was a uh, um, hot commodity at the trade deadline a couple years ago. I know the Reds were um, reluctant to move him, and then they ended up moving him for um, – was that in the uh, Michael Givens trade? Uh, coming from Colorado, he went to Colorado in that trade, I think. Or did he yes. go to Oakland? He went from, uh, he's been on a bunch of different teams. He's I like, know. yeah. But he's, all, he's got the tools and everyone loves mm-hmm. it, love what he brings, but he just, he's kind of like a Tremol, a Tremol mm-hmm. the uh, Mariners guy. He's got all the tools, but just hasn't really put it all together yet. Yeah, no, that, that was why I brought that. I wanted to bring that name up because he was somebody that, like I said, he's been around the league. I feel like he went, I think he was drafted out of Houston Baptist, um, from or by the A's was traded maybe in I don't know where he a sunny gray trade makes a lot of sense but I don't know how he got from Cincinnati to or from Oakland to Cincinnati in a sunny gray trade <laughs> but yeah he, he went he was there and then he went to Colorado he might have been in another trade too but he's just kind of one of those guys who's who's been all over the place kind of like Dylan Tate too I don't know if many people know who that is but he yeah. was somebody that was all over the place on trades a lot of teams liked him but not enough to keep him around. So, yeah, that was definitely a name that I thought, you know, should have been mentioned, and it wouldn't surprise me if if he gets taken. If I was a bad team, like if I was o- – or not Oakland, but if I was Baltimore or Pittsburgh, I'd be 
I'd be taking the best prospect available. I, I don't know who that is. If it's Gilberto Jimenez, who didn't get who didn't get picked up. He's young, however, uh, from Boston. I, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of an interesting strategy, like you mentioned. I, I, it's just kind of what GMC, and it's really cool. I I love the Rule Five Draft. I think it's super interesting. I I think it's something. I'm glad that baseball does this, and I hope they don't get rid of it in the long run. So I don't know if you have anything else to say on the Rule 5 draft. I just figured we'd need to bring that up. We don't even know when the Rule 5 draft will be based on if the lockout happens. I know we'll probably get into that in a little bit, but yeah, still got to wait and see. Yeah, we'll probably get into that in a couple weeks once the lockout actually happens, assuming that it does in a midnight you know, agreement. I I could see that happening, though. That seems like a very baseball thing to do is is a midnight agreement on it you know just for a year to continue the the agreement because I don't even know if I want to get into it because there are so many talking points on the CBA and I know we've mentioned it before so let's not even get into it we'll we'll have a whole lock lockout podcast um eventually so on to our next thing we missed a question on the fan mail it came from a guest of the show Jacob Cisneros who writes for Halo Hangout, and he also does Dodger stuff as well. So I had to get to it, and it kind of also brings us into another talking point, which I thought was kind of interesting too. And he says, what are you guys' dislikes and dislikes about Billy Epler running with the Angels considering now he's the Angel- he's the GM for the Mets? So I, I think, you know, what-, what, do we- what did we like and dislike about Billy Epler is a good starting point, and then we can kind of talk about you know, the differences between the Angels and the Mets right now, because I th- I think we think they're very similar organizations, unfortunately, at the moment. But yeah, it's kind of interesting that Billy went from Artie and the Angels now to, is it Steve Cohen and the Mets, which I just think it's so similar. I, I don't know if you're in agreement with that, but yeah. I've been pushing that narrative for a long time, Jared. I know you have, and I've always said the Angels were very similar to the Phillies in the NL. But you know, the more and more you look at it, the more and more you think about it. The Mets and the Mets and the Angels are, are very similar with the way they're run, and just haven't had a lot of luck and have had a lot of injuries. And hey, now you even have a Noah Syndergaard connection with the Angels and Mets. It's it just makes so much sense that you can compare them and and Billy Epler with a connection too. So I don't know what did what did you like and dislike about about Billy? Billy did a really good job of drafting. I think you're you're seeing that now. Um, it was very obvious with what he was looking for. Um, it was almost like he was a college coach trying to uh, trying to recruit. It was, hey, we're going to try and get athletic shortstops, athletic center fielders, and then you know we'll figure out the pitching later, which I know not every college team does. But for the most part, when you look at colleges, they're recruiting four or five shortstops, four or five center fielders, and then they're saying, okay, who can play third, who can play second, um, which infielder can move to the outfield, all that all that type of stuff. And I think Billy did a really good job. You look at, at the guys that he's taken, uh, Joe Adele, Kyron Parrish, you know, just to name a few, and he did a really good job, and we're seeing um, how well the Angels' um, prospects, how much better they got after Billy. Yeah, I mean, it was only one way for them to go, uh, but up because of how bad they could have. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, and and you can, you can. I don't know if you can blame Jerry because look at what Jerry's done now. Jerry Depoto, that is, has done with the Mariners. I know that. I I think you're in agreement with Jerry, what Jerry's doing in Seattle, right? I mean, they have an amazing farm system. It was hand gifted to him. Let's be honest. I mean, only the Mets could make that kind of trade. 
<laughs> that is, it's, it, that's so weird. Like our whole cycle here, we were talking about the Mets, Jerry DePoto, who was a former, uh, angels GM and the Mariners and they made that trade. And now Billy goes to the Mariner or Billy goes to the Mets. It's, it's such a weird circle how this all works, but, but like I said, I love what Jerry's doing there. I know he's still making all those little trades and you know, the Chris Taylor trade probably hasn't worked out too well for him though. I don't know if that was really him. What's the Chris Taylor trade him? I think that was his first year. Yeah. I mean, what are the chances though? Really? Like sometimes it just takes a different scene, different change in scenery for a guy to become, you know, really good. And we're seeing that with Chris Taylor. So, but yeah, back on to, back on to Billy. I, like I said, I, I couldn't say enough good things about him. I thought he was a very good GM. I thought he, you know, there were some things that he lacked in. Like I, I'm not a huge fan of the you know, the driveline hitting, which I felt like he pushed a lot on hitters. And we saw guys kind of the, um, Jeremiah Jackson's and the, and the Jemai Joneses of the world, you know, kind of suffered, uh, in a sense from that side of things. And I don't think that was their style of hitting. And, and I think that that stuff can be coached as you know, we know that stuff can be coached separately and it only works with certain guys. But I am a big fan of, like we said, what he did in the draft, what he did draft wise, and taking the best, you know, what who they thought the best guy was available and who was going to be the best player in the draft. Because, you know, we, we saw it with Joe Adele. He was the 10th, 11th guy picked, and he all of a sudden is probably one of the best guys out of that draft. Brandon Marsh, Chris Rodriguez, you know, like we're just seeing the fruits of, of Billy's Billy's efforts here, and it's. It's really good. Where I think he, where again, I think he lacked was the producing good talent. And I think that that's where we've talked about it before. The Angels need a president of baseball operations. And that's what I, we think, I think Billy needed in particular was somebody to help him along the way with that. Cause he was a very good, he knew what he was doing. He's a, everybody I've talked to have only, has only spoke highly of what Billy has done. And, and I really like the way that he built bullpens. I just don't think that, you know, it, it was necessarily all there. And I think that it got kind of taken away from him a little bit short, you know, and, and when it was all said and done. And, and I hope that the, that it doesn't happen with the Perry when it's all when it's all said and done. So I don't know. Do you have anything else with uh, with with Billy Epler before we get on to our next talking point? Um, it's kind of interesting that he's in a very similar setup as he was with the Angels, a team that um, is getting older with. The best player at his position, Jacob DeGrom, kind of like Mike Trout, best player at his position, best offensive player in the league. Um, and a very, very poor farm system. Yes, they have one or two guys that are that are interesting, but after that, it gets very bare there. So um, it's going to be interesting. From what I've heard, the, the plan for him is to let some of those guys walk, like Noah Syndergaard, Michael Conforto, get some of those draft picks, and then probably make some trades. So it, it'll be interesting. He did a pretty good job with that as well. Um, and I thought the other funny thing that I was reading about Billy with the Angels is the Rendon signing. That was, you know, already has loved Anthony Rendon well before he became a free agent. I guess there were times where he was trying to get him earlier and things like that. So kind of interesting that uh, some Angel fans are out on Anthony Rendon. Um, but, again, Billy just – following orders yeah no 100 percent. and you know the one year that 
that Billy had his opportunity, brought in Osmus, and I thought that was one of the best teams that he would put together. You look at the opening day roster, and it was like, all right, this team's posed for 90 wins, and I know we've been saying this for years, but really go back and look at that the year that Osmus was there, and Osmus might not have been the right guy, and, and you know they had some injuries and such like that, but it really, that was that was his year to do his thing, and he was he was able to do it really well, I thought. So, you know, tip the cap to Billy. So next thing that I kind of want to bring, you know, full circle here on this Mets-Angels thing is the similarities and differences to the Mets as an organization. And I think we mentioned a lot of them, but I don't know if you want to pinpoint anything in particular because, like you said, you were, you've been pushing the Mets-Angels similarities for a while, the comparisons for a while. So, I don't know, take it away, whatever you want to talk about between the two of them. Well, like I already talked about, the uh, both teams have the best player um, on the planet when it comes to a pitcher and a hitter um, both been trying to build around that for a long time um, the angels seem to get more and more pitch more and more hitting every year and it feels like the Mets continue to go out and get more pitching every year um, it's kind of funny when you look at it the the Mets are really building around the Jacob deGrom and then they have the Noah Syndergaard they had Steven Matz all of a sudden they're training for Carlos Carrasco they're training for Marcus Stroman it's like you didn't even need to do that. Like, instead of going, getting, starting pitching, go find an actual center fielder. Like, go find um, some guys to play defensively behind this really, really good starting pitching that you have. Um, they've, they've also made some weird trades. The Angels have had one or two of those as well, where it's like, eh. Um, and then I, I think when it comes to the front office, there's a, there's a lot of similarities there too. I mean, um, you have very powerful owners who make a lot of money who like to be involved. And not to say it's a bad thing for either side, but um, both teams have, have a owner who sees himself as a fan. Cohen's a little bit more extreme, I think, um, being that he, he grew up a Mets fan and like actually sees himself as a, a Mets fan. Artie Marino has kind of grown into an Angels fan ever since he purchased the team. Um, but yeah, I just think there's a lot of similarities when it comes to the group as a whole, the team, the way it's run organizationally, things of that, like that. Absolutely. Like I said, I, I can't say it enough. I, I see a lot of similarities in the front offices and, and such like that. Though it definitely, I think it's been stated that Billy with the Mets is going to have an open checkbook. I don't know if the same is is with Perry and the Angels yet, but it'll be interesting to see down the road what kind of happens. So last thing before we get everybody going here on this fantastic Monday, Nate, who's the next perfect fit for the Angels? I know we talk about this a lot. You know, it's not necessarily the most expensive guy that's the right fit. It needs to be the right guy to be the right fit, and, and it might not always be the most expensive guy. So who is that next perfect fit for you? Perfect fit for me. I'm not going to change my answer on this. I think I've mentioned him a couple times, but in my opinion, it's John Gray. And I know it's not going to happen because John Gray is going to sign probably a four-year contract, and it sounds like the Angels don't want to do that when it comes to starting pitching. Um, but that's the guy who makes the most sense. You get him out of Colorado, you get him um, in Anaheim, and just get his fastball going. He has a chance to be a dude that we've been looking for for a long time. And I know you're probably saying, Nate, same thing can be said for Noah Syndergaard. But I think John Gray um, hasn't had as many injuries. And 
if you can get him at three or four years for you know 10 15 million which I don't know he might he might be asking for for 15 or 20 now that he's seen what Verlander and guys have gotten but if you can get him at 15 million I think that uh, that makes it makes a lot of sense for the angels I'm with you on that I think that's the next perfect guy as well that eats up innings and uh, side question on this do the angels really need a guy to eat up innings with a six-man rotation yes no, they 100% do. Noah Syndergaard has come out and said he will be on a pitch or a uh, innings limit this year. He thinks it's going to help with um, the six-man rotation, but it's going to take him a couple starts before he can really get back to, hey, can I go seven or eight innings? I think they're going to be very careful with him early. You're going to see Syndergaard go four or five innings probably the first couple outings. Maybe he gets into the sixth in his third or fourth outing, but I think it's going to be a month or two before – um, he actually is 100% when it comes to pitch count and things like that. So that guy's going to put a lot of stress on uh, on the Angels' bullpen to start with. And then we are very high on Patrick Sandoval. Some people are very high on, uh, on Suarez and possibly Canning, possibly Detmers. There, there's some guys that, that everyone is high on. We need to see those guys take a step forward. And I think that early on is where you could see some growing pains. Like typically you're going to see that next step taken, you know, in May or June. That's when you're really going to see these guys take their next step. So um, it, it could be a long first month for the Angels' bullpen. And then I think as the year goes along, it'll, it'll start to uh, ease up for them. And hopefully you got Syndergaard throwing seven, eight innings, Otani throwing seven, eight innings, and maybe John Gray or someone like that going seven or eight innings. And that way, if Sandoval or Suarez or someone like that only goes five or four or three, it's not killing the bullpen. Yeah, that's my biggest worry. Uh, early in the season is the bullpen, you know, and, and, and overworking them. Though I think there's a lot of options in the bullpen now, which is kind of cool. I and mean, we saw it at the end of last year. I just hope, like I said, don't use the. I hope they don't overuse the bullpen like we saw it this year. I think they had like one of the worst season or one of the worst months in in baseball last year, where like they just couldn't close out games. The bullpen. So I got three perfect fits, just because knowing the Angels, I, I need a shortstop. Chris Taylor just makes too much sense that you, you can put him there. Um, and then on the pitching side of things, we're going one year deals. So I'm gonna say Zach Greinke is a guy or James Paxton I think since we're going one-year deals I think any of those pitchers are going to get one-year deals and then you can build around your shortstop Chris Taylor so Nate any final thoughts before we let everybody go I love the James Paxton that really fits the Angels mold let's go get a guy who's been hurt a lot in his career and pray that he'll come to the Angels and then luck will change and he'll throw the entire season just like every other Angels starter has before him. I'm thinking, I'm sorry, I'm thinking like the Angels, you know, like that was, that was my, that was my thought process I'm not, there. I'm not calling you out, I'm just saying like that's a, that's a typical Angels move where it's yeah. like, woohoo, that's, we got him for one year, five million, he's got a 70 year eight, you know, that's, eight starts in and the Angel fans are trying to figure out, are we, can we cut him? Yeah, that's, that's why, that's why I said that, you know, like it, it makes a lot of sense to, to kind of get that get get those guys especially in the six-man rotation you can take some risks with it so i don't know like i am not completely against signing either one of those guys to one-year deals but then again you know i'm not a huge fan of the one-year deal i'd rather go get john gray or somebody like that i can't think of another guy that i really wanted a multi-year deal whether it's you know kevin gosman 
if the Angels really make a push, Max Scherzer on on a multi-year deal, but you really got to make a push. Like you have to go get you got to go get Seager almost, and then be like, well, let's just go all in now. You know, let's go give some money and and let's get these guys into the playoffs. So. I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens here in the upcoming days, basically, before December 1st. I know we got, what, nine, eight days before December 1st where the potential lockout looming. So I, I don't know. We'll see if, if teams want to give money and we'll see if teams want or if players want to want to sign before the lockout. I know a lot of guys do. So any final thoughts, Nate? Um, nope. Oh, perfect. We can end this one a little bit short. I, I like when you have no final thoughts, you know? and get my brain thinking at, at the end of the day. So, guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast here at Talking Halos. Really do appreciate all of the support you guys give us. If you want to join us for Talking Fans, shoot us a message on any on any of our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, mainly Twitter, though. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at Jared underscore Tims, and you can follow Nate on Twitter at NateGreen34. Guys, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs>